to Brother Boone and the congregation, this is certainly a, a great privilege for me to be back in San Bernardino again. This place holds many great memories of the days gone by. And to hear that the visit here has still have living influence, why it certainly makes you feel glad that the Lord directed us this away uh, years ago. I was sitting out there in a the parking lot just now trying to remember of one of the events that had taken place. There was a Mrs. Isaacson had been uh, my interpreter in Finland on a Finnish campaign. And she came to the car when I was just leaving, and she said, You're a voice of Finland. And I just wonder if Miss Isaacson lives around here. I didn't know. Uh, she wouldn't have to be present tonight, I suppose. Miss Maya Isaacson. And she's from Finland. Then another outstanding thing that brought to my memories was a little waitress in a restaurant that I eat somewhere near it. They're called the Antlers uh, Hotel. I believe that's right now. And... Um, the little lady had, I was praying with her. She had, um, she's a nice little lady, but she wasn't a Christian. I'd invite her to the meeting and, um, she had, um, lost a baby and I believe that her husband, they were separated and we was praying that she would make up with her husband or they would make up together. So I just wonder if that little lady could be present. See that? And then another event taking place was a little baby that was brought from somewhere about a day's drive. And it had died. It was laying in the mother's arms and was brought back to life. Uh, is that was that person present here? And uh, it comes, I believe, from the state up in this way around um, it's above here. And the little mother had drove all night long, and the father and the little mother sitting there sadly holding her little dead form baby. And uh, I thought such faith. If I was the biggest hypocrite in the world, God would have honored that mother's faith holding the little baby in the hands like that, praying. He got warm and began moving. Open his little eyes and hand it back to the mother. So uh, they was from somewhere. I do not think they were Pentecostal, though. They were just, I believe it was just some church that uh, from some, I don't know, even there was Christians and I never asked them. I was just so elated about the little baby being brought to life again. Since then, Brother Boone, much waters went down the river. But we're still serving the same God who remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just looking around, seeing Brother Roy Cox sitting here. It's the first time I've seen him for a long time. Uh, uh, Paul, that's right. Leroy was your father. That's right. He's in Russia tonight. So pray oh, my. Russian. Well, that's... Um, uh, I know this gallant soldier there, he's there on the business of the king. So I'm certainly happy to be here and to hear this young minister saying he was inspired by the ministry that we had while we were here. Such a great thrill that is. And I'm trusting now that knowing we've got a, people are standing and we won't keep too long. We remember those great healing services. And then I understand that there is a, a, a brother here in the neighborhood somewhere holding a healing campaign. A brother, Leroy Jenkins, I believe that's right. Um, so I'm very thankful and trusting that the Lord is blessing him and giving him a great, great service. And if my uh, felt really honored tonight to come into a church like this, I always feel better in a church than doing those auditoriums. There's now nothing against the auditorium. But, you know, I, it may be a superstition or I just 
it seems to me like a truth. You see, they, you go into those auditoriums where there's fights, wrestles, burlesque, everything else going on. Evil spirits seems to hang around them places. Now, that may seem a superstition, but it isn't. So, but when you come into a church, you usually a, certainly a spiritual congregation. It seems like that is you, you feel more at liberty, like there's, a, there's something, the presence of God is there. It seems to be different. I don't know what effect the building has, but it's uh, where the people are congregated. Of course, the same people are at the other place, but on those evil grounds. Maybe just me thinking that way. But anyhow, I'm glad to be here tonight. And now, we won't uh, not keep you too long, because the standing audience, and we are going tomorrow night at a, some other place here. I don't even know where it's at. It's Orange near here. Orange Show Auditorium. Orange Show Auditorium for the services tomorrow night. Uh, but this is between, I'm speaking on a tour for the the businessman's, full gospel businessman's group, which I've had the privilege of speaking around the world for them. And uh, so in there, a very dear friend invited us over here, and we're glad to be in the assembly tonight. Now, before we open the Bible, now anybody that's got physical strength can open it in this manner, see? but it takes the Holy Spirit to open the Word of ours, open our understanding and uh, reveal the scriptures. I believe in the Bible. I believe that it's God's word. And I believe that the earth or the peoples of the earth will be judged someday by this word. Now, that may seem strange. Now, there's many different with that idea. I was talking to a very loyal friend of mine not long ago who is Catholic. And he said, God will judge the world by the Catholic Church. If that's so, which Catholic church? If he judges it by the Methodist, then what about the Baptist? If he judges it by one, the other one's lost. So there's too much confusion there. But we have to go to it to find our, our true statement. And the Bible says that God will judge the world by Jesus Christ. And he is the word. Uh, St. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And Hebrews 13, 8 says, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that to be the truth. Uh, I believe that in God in the beginning, being the infinite God, He's a finite, and, or, or infinite rather, we're the finite. His mind is so much greater and we in our little finite mind cannot understand his great infinite wisdom. But therefore, when he speaks anything, it may seem very strange to us to hear him say a certain thing in the scripture. But it's got to happen. I believe that his words will never pass away. Therefore, I believe that God, that knowing that we in our little finite mind could not interpret his, his great mind, he interprets his own word. He doesn't need any interpreter. He interprets his own word by vindicating that word in its season. I believe in God in the beginning that Noah was the word for that day, for his message. Now along come, after that come Moses. Now Moses could not have taken Noah's word. He could not build a ship and flowed them out of Egypt down the Nile River or to the Promised Land or so forth. His message didn't work in Noah's day. That was a part of God's word that was vindicated to be truth by 
Moses. Neither could Jesus have had Moses' word. And the Luther could have not maintained the word of the Catholic Church. Wesley, he could not maintain Luther's word. And the Pentecostal, they could not take the Methodist word. They See, the church is growing each age. It's lotted in the scripture here. So God, through the Holy Spirit, reveals his word by manifesting it and vindicating it is self-showing that it's his word being brought to pass in the day that is promised. Jesus said that. He said, if you can't believe me, believe the works that I do, for they testify of who he was. See, if anyone would have known the scripture, now he comes so oddly, so strange, that the people didn't want to believe him because he, being a man, was making himself God. So he was God in form. God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself. And no man can do these works without God be with him, as uh, we know Nicodemus said that, that the Sanhedrin believed that. Now, we know that that word, if they would have known the word, he said, if you'd have known Moses, you'd have known me because Moses wrote of me. And we look, if they look back in the scripture and see what the Messiah was supposed to do, then they'd have known him by the vindication that God through Christ was reconciling the world to himself and bringing to pass all the promises that was of the Messiah that he was to do. Jesus bore record of that word, making that word live for that day. And I believe that's the same thing we live in today. God bearing record of his word by vindicating what he said he would do. Now, we know that this is a day of salvation where God is calling man from the world, from a life of sin to a life of service. And in the day that God has poured out his spirit from on high, great signs and wonders are to accompany the ministry of this day. This is the... When the former and latter rain are falling together. And we know that there's supposed to be great signs and wonders, which in many great denominations, this is turned down. But I'm very thankful for these open doors that I've had to go into and the inspiration it's given to young men like your pastor here that's caused them as I'm beginning to get old and know that my days are numbered and know now that these young men can take this message and sweep it on to the coming of the Lord if he doesn't come and my generation, which I'm hoping to see him. I'll look daily for him and watch, keeping myself prepared for that hour. Now, let us speak to the author before we read his book as we bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to thee to be alive tonight, to return back to this great city, sitting here in this panoramic here of the mountains, looking up and seeing the snow and the orange blossoms blooming at the same time. What a magnificent world you give us to live in. And how that we see that man has disturbed and, and acted in this world, it makes us ashamed of ourselves, Father. We are here tonight to try to put forth our efforts to try to cause man to see this great thing that God has done and know that there's something greater just beyond. May we look to that tonight, Father, as we turn into your word and read it. We can read it, Father, but let the Holy Spirit reveal it to us through the revelation, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you that like to perhaps take uh, notes and I've and to read the scripture with the minister as, as usually they read it. 
And it used to be when I, years ago, I didn't have to write down my scriptures and so forth, but I, I got a little older since then. See, I just passed 25 just recently, <laughs> 25 years ago, so it's a, <clears throat> makes it a little bad. <clears throat> but I'm still trying to hold on to everything that I know to do in his word until he calls me. Now let us turn to St. John, the 14th chapter, very familiar scripture that we want to read tonight to draw from this a context, the Lord willing. Nearly all knows this. It seems to be many times it's used in funeral services. If there ever was a time that I'd like to preach a funeral service to be to this world. Let it die and be born again. St. <clears throat> John 14, 1 through 7. I believe I have marked down here. Let not your hearts be troubled. If you believed in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house is many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know where thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word, and we won't refer to it again. And uh, times as we go on, while we want to just speak a little lesson to the church. Last evening, I was in Yuma, Arizona, uh, or my home now. I, I, when I shared before, I lived in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Now, I've been in Arizona by a vision sending me there a few years ago. And we resident there. Now, I don't have any church there. Brother Green, uh, our brother here with us, has established a tabernacle where... The, one of the Assemblies of God, a church, downtown Assemblies, they emerged, and I think they all went in with Brother Brock and with Brother Gilmore, left this church open, and Brother Perry Green from, from Texas moved in and took the place, which is associated with us. We're glad to know that, that, uh, Brother Green has reopened this church that was closed. And last night, speaking over in, um, Yuma for the Christian businessman, uh, I spoke on the subject of the rapture. Now, that might have been a strange subject to speak among at a, a banquet, but most everyone there was Christians. And that's the way it is on these campaigns like this or in, in a church. I could say now, how many of us Christians? Probably every hand would go up. You're a Christian. And so if we're Christians, I think we ought to be uh, kindly notified ahead. We don't I have to just guess at it. We're notified what our destination will be. And I want to speak on that tonight. And the subject is going to be things that are to be. And now, speaking last night on the rapture. So tonight, I want to speak on this subject that I might tie together with last night's message. Now, there is going to be a rapture. We know that. That's in the future to be. Now, Jesus here is speaking about he's gone ahead to prepare a place for us. Let not your hearts be troubled. Now, he was talking to Jews. He said, Now, you believed in God. Believe also in me. 
as you have believed in God, believe in me because I am the Son of God. And God, in other words, I and my Father are one. My Father is dwelling in me. And what you see do I'm doing, it's not me. It's my Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It was easy for those Jews who had been taught through generations to believe that there was a great supernatural God. But to think that that God had come down and was manifesting himself through the person of his son, Jesus Christ, God tabernacled in a body of flesh. That was a little too much for him to, to understand. But he said, now, as you have believed in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus' life was fixing to end here on earth. He had showed the people and proved to them that he was Jehovah manifested in flesh by the great signs and wonders and the reference of the Bible that he had referred to to himself, and he proved that he was God manifested. Now, he said, when you see my life ending, it's ending for a purpose, and I'm going away to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. Jesus, therefore, is telling his disciples that this life is not ended in death. Now, saying this was a funeral text, remember, we death sets right before us. And we don't know whether there may be some in this building tonight will not go out of here alive in this physical life. That's how uncertain it is. Five minutes from now, it could be that Young, healthy, young people in this building can be a corpse in five minutes from now. That is true. And again, it could be in five minutes from now, would everyone be in glory? Amen. We just don't know. That's in the hands of God. Jesus said he didn't know himself when that time would be, but that was in the hands of the Father only. Now, but he was telling them that after death, there is life. Because I go and prepare a place that is to receive them shows that there he was speaking to them that there was a, a life after this life is ended. And what a consolation that ought to give to all of us to know that after this life is over, there is a life that we go into. Amen. And as you get older, that becomes more of a reality to you. As you begin to see the days of your life drawing close, then it begins to you begin to pack up closer, getting ready for that great event. It's a not. It's a continuum of this same life in another world, another place. Your birth here was pre-planned. I guess you believe that. Every one of you knows that our birth was pre-planned. Did you know that your being here never originated just in a myth or a thought? Everything was all pre-planned by God before the foundation of the world. The infinite God knowed to be, to be infinite. He had to know every flea that ever would be in the earth and how many times it would bat its eye. That's infinite. See, our little, our little minds cannot fathom what infinite means. The infinite God. He knowed all things. Therefore, there's nothing out of cater. If we know the Word of God, we know where we are living. We know the hour that we're living in. We know what lays ahead. We see what we passed in the book of 
God is the revelation of Jesus Christ. His works through the ages that was up to the book of Revelation and then His promises that is to come. So all of His promises are true. God cannot speak any word without it being confirmed. Every word that He says has to come to pass. Before the foundation of the world, some people mix Genesis up there. When He said God repeats Himself, no, just your misunderstanding. See, God at the beginning said, let there be, let there be, let there be. The world was just dark and a chaos. Even when he said, let there be light, there might have been hundreds of years before light ever sprung in. But when he spoke it, it has to come to pass. It must be that way. See? And he spoke his word. Them seeds was beneath the water. When he dried off the earth, then the seeds come up. What he says must come to pass. He said through the prophets, I referred to it last evening, like we take Isaiah, he said, a virgin shall conceive. Who would think of a man that was thought of among people to say such a word as that? A virgin shall conceive. But because he, a prophet is a reflector of God, he is made so that he cannot speak his own words. It has to be God's words that he speaks. He's just like a reflector. And he is God's mouthpiece. And so, therefore, he said, a virgin shall conceive. He probably could not understand it. But God had spoken through him because he promised that he would do nothing until he revealed it to his servants, the prophets. Then when he said that, it was 800 years before that ever come to pass. But it had to come to pass. Finally, those words of God anchored in the womb of a virgin, and she conceived and brought forth Emmanuel. Unto us a, a child is born. Unto us a son is given. His name shall be called the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. That had to be that way because God had spoken through the mouth of His prophets. And all the words of God has to be fulfilled. Therefore, we know that Jesus has gone to prepare a place to receive a people unto Himself. Amen. Who those people are, I hope it's we are part of those people tonight. If it isn't, my friend... God has made a way, a condition that you can be included in that if you want to. Your own free moral agency, you can act the way you wish to. But now notice, now in this world that is to come, there is a world to come. Just like your birth here, I said, you're always prepared. God knew you would be here. And now, you know, even things that your parents done, uh, people think that that isn't visit from generation to generation, but it is. Over in the book of Hebrews, I believe the, about the seventh chapter, speaking Paul there, the writer as I believe it was, was speaking on um, a great event that had taken place with Abraham, that he paid tithes to Melchizedek when he was returning from the slaughter of the king. And now he said that Levi was in the loins of Abraham when he met Melchizedek coming from the slaughter of the kings, and then he reckoned that to Levi paying tithes also when he was in the loins of Abraham, his great-great-grandfather. And he visits the sins of the people upon their, their children from generation to generation. That won't keep his word. See, you are all pre-planned by God. Nothing happens by chance with God. He knows all about it. It's all pre-planned. Planned for many generations back so that you could be here tonight. Did you know that? Just think that you at one time, I'll repeat this again, 
You at one time was in your father, in the Jane of your father. Now, he didn't know you at that time. Neither did you know him at that time. But you see, then you were put in the bedding ground and the womb of mother through holy wedlock. And then you become a person expressed in the image like your father. Then there's fellowship. Now, the only way that you can be a son, a daughter of God, because you have to be, uh, have to have eternal life, and there's only one form of eternal life, and that's God's life. Only one form of eternal life. That was God. There to be a son of God, you had to be in Him always. The chain of your life, spiritual life tonight, was in God the Father before there was even a molecule. And you are nothing but the manifestation of the chain of life that was in God as a son of God. Now you're expressed after his word has come in you to light up this age. You are the expressing God's life in you because you are a son or a daughter of God. Therefore, you get what I mean? See, you are in, you are now made. You're sitting in this church tonight. Because your duty is to express God to this nation and this people and this neighborhood where you associate, wherever you are, God knew that you would be here because you have to be one of his genes or his attributes. You had to be. If you ever, if you got eternal life, then it always was eternal life. And God, before there was a foundation world, knew that you would be here. And when the word of the water, the washing of the water of the word fell upon you, you, it was expressed in a being. Now you have fellowship with your father, God, just as you have with your earthly father. You are citizens of the king, not citizens, but you are children, sons and daughters of the living God. If it be that the eternal life dwells in you. Now. Then if it was, Jesus was the fullness of God manifested. He was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Therefore, when he came to the earth and was manifested in flesh, you were here in him then because he was the word. Amen. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word was made flesh. Therefore, you walked with him when you were in him when he was on earth. You suffered with him and you died with him, you was buried with him, and now you're risen with him, and manifested attributes of God sitting in heavenly places, already raised, resurrected to new life, and sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, that means so much nowadays, church. That means so much to us, to see ourselves positionally placed in Jesus Christ. Now, if we are those attributes of God, we cannot live by creeds. We cannot live by denominationalism. We must live by the word because the bride is a part of the bridegroom like any wife is a part of her husband. Therefore, we must be that word bride. And what is that word bride? The manifestation of this hour. The bride, not a creed or a denomination, but a living article of God, a living attribute of God displaying to the world the attributes of God in the formation of the bride that's to be 
expressed in this hour that we're now living. Martin Luther could not express the attributes that we express because that that was in the beginning, the resurrection, like the corn of wheat that went into the earth. I will quote this again. You probably read the book, that German making fun of me and said I was a fanatic of all the fanatics. He was a he was absolutely against everything that's called God and even made fun of God. Said a God that could open the Red Sea instead of take his people out and sit with his hands across his tummy and let through the dark ages all those people die and suffer and those little children be eaten by lions. You see, the whole whole program, the whole church is built upon divine revelation. Amen. Jesus said in St. Matthew's, the 16th chapter, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. What was the revelation of who he was? And upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. The revelation of Jesus Christ in this hour. Not what he was in another hour, what he was now. The Bible expresses it's growing in the bride to the full statue. Therefore, if the corner wheat of Christ had to fall in the ground... So did the bride have to fall in the ground through the dark ages. Any grain that goes in the ground must die or it can't produce itself, reproduce itself. And the great church that he established on the day of Pentecost by the sending of the Holy Ghost had to suffer martyrdom and go into the dirt, into the earth in the dark age to bring forth again in the age of Luther and come on out to the full statue of the bride of Jesus Christ for this last day. There's no way. Therefore, the bride in the rapture will come forth and there is all pre-planned by God, all backed up from the beginning. He knowed every man, every place, who would sit, all about it. It's all pre-planned. God knew it would be here. And when he made it that way, so that when we get there, he's gone to prepare a place for us. And when we get there, it'll all be prepared just like even this night is prepared. Like this hour is prepared. This, his great foreknowledge tells him all these things. By foreknowledge, he's omnipresent because he's omnipresent. Omnipresent because he's omnipresent. Therefore, by his foreknowledge, now he can't be just like the wind over the earth because he is a being. He just isn't a myth. He's a being. He dwells. He even dwells in a house. He dwells in a place called heaven. And therefore, by his Omnipresent, being omnipresent, being omnipresent, knowing all things, then he is omnipresent because he knows all things. You Now you grew from your birth when you was born and presented into this world. God knew that you were going to be here in this earth and you grow from birth to maturity. Things that seem so strange to you uh, in your young uh, womanhood, young uh, boyhood, as children, now seems very real. You couldn't understand it when he was a child. But now as you become adult, you begin to understand and find out that everything was just set just right. And you, it really means something to you now. So is it in your spiritual birth. You do things that you don't understand when your little baby come to the altar. You give your life to Christ. You do such strange things. You wonder why you did it. But after a while, when you mature as matured Christians, then you understand it. See, there's something picks up, you see, why you had to do it. Your spiritual birth, your natural birth types your spiritual. How, how it fitted to you in this life as you grew, everything fitted right in because you were made for that. Wasn't it a strange thing the night that you staggered into the mission, the tent meeting, or the little church somewhere on the corner, 
and something a preacher preached on a certain subject and you just fell right at the altar. See? See? God knew that before the foundation of the world. See? It seems strange to you why you did it then, but now you understand. You knew what happened. It's so fitting to you in this life and will be also in the life that is to come. This world and this life seems to, to advance as you mature. Everything seems to go right with you. I don't believe in a, that a person just happened to be here by chance. I just think when you come to the, the world, everything had to be for prepared for you or pre-prepared rather uh, for you. I don't hardly understand that how that we could think that a God that could prepare all these good things for us would not, we could not put trust in him. That if he brought us in this chaos that we're in now and prepared the good things of life for us here, how much more can we trust him to prepare the things that is to come? Amen. See? Amen. The eternal things. It seems, I say, very strange. And, and I, I do not think that heaven is a place that my mother used to tell me about. I believe that the church has grown from that. To think that used to be a hundred years ago or two, I think the old timers used to think that everyone that died went up to heaven and had a harp and, and sat up there on the clouds and, and played a harp. Now they know that there was a place called heaven, but they, if that be so, all the musicians that have it on us, you see, but, but it, it isn't that kind of a place. It isn't playing harps at all. I believe, don't believe the Bible teaches that. But that was a conception that they had before the fullness of the word come into existence or the opening of the seven seals that uh, promised to us in this age. That we then understand. I believe that heaven is a real place just the same as this is a real place. Okay? For God started us in our spiritual growth in this place. And I believe that heaven is a place just as real as this where we don't set up there for eternity and just sit there on a cloud. We don't just strum a harp for all, all from here ever, but we are going to a real place Amen. where we're going to do things, where we're going to live, we're going to work, we're going to enjoy, we're going to live, we're going to life, Amen. to a real eternal life. We're going to a heaven, a paradise, just like Adam and Eve worked and lived and eat and enjoyed in the Garden of Eden before sin came in, we're on our road right back there again. Right back. The first Adam through sin taking us out. The second Adam through righteousness bring us back in again. Justifies us and brings us back in. You people take the tapes now on the message of justification. I want you, if you take it and you do take the tapes. I want you to get that. I spoke on it here some time ago. Look how your earthly parent, before you come here, before they knew you was coming, made ready for your coming. Just think of that. Now, your earthly parents, which your earthly parent is only a type of a heavenly parent. If we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to his children? Jesus spoke these words. See, they made ready your coming. They made a little crib or got a little, some little booties and little clothes and so forth. They made ready everything for you to arrive, prepared before you even come on the earth. Jesus has gone to make ready our coming there. Now, notice, in my Father's house is many mansions. 
Or let us, I don't mean to add to the word or take from it because we're not to do that. Revelations 22 said, whoever will add a word or take a word out of it. But let me just make this uh, as an, not an additive, but just to, to bring out a point. In my father's house is many kinds of mansions. I don't believe that when we get to heaven that we will be just everybody look just exactly alike. I don't believe it at all will be uh, uh, blondes or brunettes or, or little or, or, or all big or, or all giants. I believe that God is a God of variety. Amen. The world proves that. He's got big mountains and little mountains. He's got plains. He's got deserts. He's got uh, different things because he made it the way he wanted it. And he made the seasons, summer, winter, spring, autumn. He made the seasons. It shows he's a God of variety. He made you in a variety. Some men are real blusterous and some are real dogmatic and others are fine and others are kind. And You just find all different kinds of people. And in his kingdom. See, so look at St. Peter and judge him by Andrew. See, Andrew is that prayer warrior just stayed on his knees all the time. And the apostle Peter was one of those far brands that preached and, and so forth. And Paul was more scholarly, like more of the... Uh, uh, like the prophet or something and set back and see Moses wrote the first four books of the old which he wrote the Old Testament the rest of it was the laws and kings and psalms and so forth and uh, what someone wrote of the prophets but Moses wrote the laws the first four books of the Bible uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus and Deuteronomy and then Paul wrote the New Testament that's true Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote the acts of what taken place and so forth. But Paul separated law and grace and put it into its place. See, he was the writer of the New Testament. He gave us the writings of the New Testament set in the Word of God and order. Now, notice, many, many mansions, many kinds of mansions, like many kinds of hills, like many kinds of rivers, springs, lakes, they were here... When you come here first because the kindness of your heavenly father placed them here because some man likes mountains. Some people likes waters. Some likes deserts. So you see, you're coming. He knew your nature and what you would be, so he made it just the way that you could enjoy it. Oh, I think that's a wonderful father, see? Know uh, uh, that he made it like this. I'm glad he made mountains. I, uh, I like the mountains. I, and I, I, I like that. Where the other side, I can't stand all the, he must have emptied his mortar box out there. Well, he emptied out so I could enjoy it, you see. So then so I like the plains where I can see a long ways. Well, the two different natures, both of us Christians. But the Father knew that you would be here and prepared everything for you before you got here. Amen. Your first coming here, he had it ready for you when you got here. Isn't that marvelous? To think of what he done. Now, now, but remember, these are only temporal gifts in type. Now, we know that Moses, in right, uh, building the tabernacle in the wilderness or preparing it, he said he made all things after the order of what he saw in heaven. See, so the earthly things only express what the eternal things are. And if this earth that we live in today being so great as we love it and love to live and breathe the air and see the flowers and things, if if that, if this chair is the expression, one that's dying is only expressing one that's eternal. When you see a tree struggling, pulling, trying to live, that means there's a tree somewhere that 
doesn't have to do that. When you see a man here struggling to live, somebody in a hospital or on a sick bed or in an accident, struggling and the death rattles in their throat and pulling and crying and screaming for life. What does that mean? There's a place somewhere, there's a body that doesn't struggle and scream for that. See, it just doesn't do it. Now, they are temporal gifts to us, these things, only expressing that there is one where it's an eternal one. That's what Jesus has gone away to prepare, the eternal one for us. Now, they only express there's a greater uh, of the same kind, because these are a same kind. I remember the Bible said, if this earthly tabernacle of our dwelling, if it perish, be dissolved, we have one already waiting. Just as the little baby, its little muscles in the mother are twisting and turning. and But just see, and you notice, you can take a woman if she is ever so foul. But when she's become a mother, a little while before that baby's born, there's a kindness about the woman. Get around her. There's always something she's more tender. Why? There's a little angel spirit waiting to receive that natural body. Just as soon as it's born, the breath of life comes into it, and God breathes it in there, and it becomes a living soul. Now, just as this uh, baby is being formed, then the spiritual body is there to receive it. And now, when this body is dropped here in this earth, like the baby's dropped, also there is an immortal body waiting to receive the spirit back into itself again. Oh, what a great thing. We are... We are now in Christ Jesus. Amen. Babies, babes in Christ, children of God, waiting for the full deliverance at the coming of our Lord Jesus the, to receive us up unto Himself. When the body, this mortal, will take on immortality. Politeness. All the things that He did expresses the things that are to come. Just as the body gives you here, just as this body He gave you to live in, only expresses that there is one that is greater yet to come. See, if we bear or have borne the image of the earthly, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly, which holds no evils in this one that is to come. Now, this one does hold evil, sickness, death, sorrow. I've just expressed here not long ago, preaching on the transformation of the Word of God, of how that, uh, that this body, it's got the evil in it, and that all this modern civilization that we live in is of the devil. You don't believe that? The Bible says it is. This world, every government, we don't want to believe that, but the Bible plainly states it that every government Every kingdom of the earth is owned by the devil and ruled by the devil. Jesus was taken by Satan up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. That was, would be, what more? And Satan claimed him his and Jesus never argued with him. Because he is the God of this world. See? And he said, I'll give them to you if you'll fall down and worship me. See, he was trying to give them over to Jesus without sacrifice. See, it was a bargain. They was going to make him, but the world had sinned, so the penalty of sin was death, and he had to die. That's why God was manifested in flesh, so he could take death on him to pay the penalty. There's nothing to come back. It's not earmarked. It's absolutely freely paid. All the debt's paid. It belongs to him now. 
And we are delegates of his kingdom, symboled here together tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, our king, sitting in heavenly places. Now, in this world that we live in, this education, I want to prove to you. Education, science, civilization, and all these things that we seemingly so enjoy today is of Satan and will perish. You say, Brother Branham, civilization... Yes, sir. This civilization come by Satan. Genesis 4 proves it. Cain's son. See? Started their civilization building cities and organs and so forth. And civilization came by knowledge. Knowledge is what the devil sold Eve in the Garden of Eden to cause her to transgress God's commandment. So there will be a civilization in the world that we're going to, but it won't be this kind of a civilization. For in this civilization, we have sickness, sorrow, lust, death, everything in this civilization wrong. But in that civilization, there will be none of these things. We won't need science. Science is a perversion of the original anyhow. See, you split a molecule of atoms and do so and so to blow you up. You take gunpowder, bang this to kill something. You take the car and take gasoline out of the earth and the materials out of the earth to loosen up the fibers so it can blow up and go down the road at 90 miles an hour and kill somebody. See? Oh, so nervous, squeezing, hurry up, we got to push and taking. Oh, see, it's all of the devil. The kingdom of God will not have automobiles, airplanes, or any scientific achievements. No, it won't have any education at all. It'll be an education so supreme to this that this won't even be thought of. See, education, civilization, and all this comes from Satan. Now, do you say, Brother Bram, why do you read that? See, just like what I wear clothes now. In the civilization it was to come, it was first, they didn't need any clothes. They were veiled. They had no reason to wear clothes because they didn't know they were naked. Now you, now you find out that in now, then we know that we are, 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 are naked. Sin abides here, then we've got to wear clothes. But it wasn't so at the beginning. There was no sin. See? Now, the same thing is in the way of civilization. Altogether, we read, we write, we do this, but don't never get adjusted to that. Don't never make that your God, for that is a God of communism. Amen. It's not of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is by faith. Amen. Not what you can scientifically prove, but what you believe. Amen. I can't scientifically prove you tonight in this building that there is a God, but yet I know He's here, but by my faith vindicates it. Amen. Abraham could not scientifically prove you that he's going to have a baby that woman heard nearly a hundred years old. But his faith confirmed it, see. Didn't need any scientific proof while the, while the doctor would say the old man's crazy. Out here saying he's going to have a, a baby but that woman, him a hundred years old, her ninety. But you see, God said so, so it don't take science. It takes faith to believe God's word, not science. So our schools and things are a blow up. That's, God never said go forth and make schools or even have Bible schools. Do you know that? He said, preach the word. Amen. That's exactly right. Our educational system's taking us farther away from God than anything I know of. That's right. Farther away from God. Not build schools, hospitals, and so forth. That was for the world and for that group. But I ain't got nothing against them. They play their parts. But that still's not that. We build a hospital ever so good and practice with the best medicine we got, and thousands die in it daily. Amen. Oh, my, in the kingdom of God, there is no death. There is no sorrow. Amen. There's no need of these things of the world. But we pass from this thing into the realities of God 
where we struggle so hard to try to find through science, and more scientific we get, more death we bring on ourselves. We're fighting a losing battle there. So turn loose of it, and by faith believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and accept Him. He is one. What's science preparing for you? More death. That's right. Sputniks and everything going up, all these things to scatter death and everything across the earth. Don't look to that. Turn your head higher than that towards heaven. Look for Jesus sits on the right hand of God tonight, ever living to make intercessions on our confession of what we believe His Word to be the truth. Now, we find this life holds all kinds of evils. So therefore, the life it is to come won't have it. This one has lust and sickness, death, because what is it? It's not the house that He's gone to prepare. This is a pest house. How many knows what a pest house is? Sure. Well, that's what you're living in. A pest house is where they put all the diseased people. Well, that's just what sin done to us, put us in an earthly pest house. Where they wouldn't let anyone else come in the pest house because there's all kinds of germs flying around in there and and the people will take these germs and and be sick themselves. And sin brought us into the devil's pest house. Oh, but the other one is called my father's house. I'll go and prepare a place for you. Take you out of this pest house. And deliver you into my Father's house. Amen. Amen. There you are. Take you out of this old earthly pest house. He's gone to prepare a place, a perfect place, where no evil exists, no sickness exists, no old age exists, no death exists. It's a perfect place calling you to that perfection. And you had to be perfect to get there. The Bible said so. Jesus said, Be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And it, it's a perfect kingdom, so it must be a perfect people come, because you have to stand and be married to a perfect Son of God, and you must be a perfect bride. Amen. So how can you do it through anything else but the perfect Word of God, which is the waters of separation that washes us from our sins? Amen. Amen. That's right. The blood of Jesus Christ. Think of it. The dripping, bloody word. Amen. The blood, the, the word of God, bleeding blood to wash the bride in. Amen. Yes, sir. She stands perfect, virgin, unadulterated. She never sinned in the first place. Amen. She was trapped into it. There's the father's house that he's gone to prepare. This one come by sex and from the fall and must fall with the fall. No matter how much you patch the old thing up, she's going to fall anyhow. She's done because she's doomed because God said so. She's finished. God is going to destroy it. He said so. There will be a renovation of the whole thing. You believe that? In the beginning when the world had its birth, when God pulled back the water first off the earth like he did the water from the mother's womb, there was a world born. Yes, and peoples begin to live on it when God put them on there. And then they begin to sin. And it was baptized by immersing in the days of Noah. Then it was sanctified by the blood of the Creator dropping upon it. And now that's the way you come, through justification to believe God. You were baptized uh, unto repent or to for the remission of your sins. You confessed your sins before God. And he forgave you for it. And he was baptized to show that you had been, you had been forgiven. Confessing to the people and showing to the world that you believe that Jesus Christ died for you. And you, he took your place and now you stand in his place. He become you that you might become him. 
And the sanctifying power of God cleansed all the habits out of your life. You used to smoke, drink, do things that wasn't right, tell lies. Everything then the sanctifying power of the blood of Jesus Christ comes into your life. It takes all the things away from you. If you happen to say something's not wrong, quickly say, wait a minute, pardon me. I didn't mean to say it like that. See, the devil got a trap sitting there, but you've got grace to come back if you're a real Christian say, I was wrong. Yes. So therefore, now the, now the next thing you receive was the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Now God, when this millennium is over, God's going to give the world a baptism of fire. It's going to blow the whole thing up. The heavens and earth will be on fire. Peter said so. And the thing will have a baptism of fire, a renovation of the whole thing, and then there will be a new heavens and a new earth. That's when word dwelleth righteousness. That's where we are. We have become from mortal beings, from kind beings to eternal beings. When the word of God lit our souls and we become sons and daughters of God with the attributes, the chain of God in us to be sons and daughters of the Father God in heaven. Crying, Abba, Father, my God, my God, in my Father's house. Now, this whole world must fall because it come through sex and it come through disobedience in the beginning. And we was born here through sex, through the fall, and it must go right back the same way to the fall. But the one he is now preparing for you cannot fall because he is making it so. I've gone. What if we just had to stay in this kind of a body? Aren't you glad there's such a thing as death? Now, isn't that strange? But now say, for instance, a few years ago, I was a little boy. And now I'm a middle-aged man. I've got a friend sitting right there, Mr. Dow. And he's 93 years old. A few days ago. Look at him now. 40 or 45 more years, that would be me. Now put another 40 years on him. Where would you go? The only, I'm glad that there's something to get us out of this pest house. There's an open door and it's called death. Jesus stands in that door. Amen. He'll guide me over the river. He'll take me through that door. There's a great door standing out there called death. And every time your heart beats, you're one beat closer to it. Someday I must come to that door. You must come there. But when I come there, I don't want to be a coward. I don't want to scream and back off. I want to come to that door, wrap myself in the robes of His righteousness, not mine, His. By this I know that I know Him in the power of His resurrection, that when He calls, I'll come out from among the dead to be with Him out of this past house. Wherever this body might fall and wherever it might land, whatever it is, I'll come out someday because He promised it to me. And we believe it. Yes, sir, he's making one that cannot fall. Notice how the expecting mother on earth today, how the mother's body craves for certain things. I'm speaking, I guess, to hope to all the adults that will understand. The mother in the birth of the baby, if there's something lacking in her body, she begins to crave certain things. Look how dad, I remember we was raised in such a poor family. And, uh, and we didn't have hardly anything to eat when we were kids Many of you suffered that same thing. So how that when uh, before the babies would be born, mother would crave something and dad would just pinch corners everything to get it for. See, it's her, the body, her body, the calcium and so forth of her body and the vitamins that she needs. Uh, Juni is being made up. See, and it craves for things, foods for the coming child. And how the parents, they try to get it so the baby will be born as perfectly and happy as possible. See how your parents will do that? When there's something needed, the mother gives witness of it. See? 
her system is made up. You understand? That how that when there's something needed here to the oncoming child, the, uh, the mother begins to crave for that. Now, stop this a minute. Why do we have revivals? Why do we sim ourselves together? Why am I always rebuking the people? Why am I calling to you Pentecostal women quit wearing paints, makeup, and bobbing your hair and stuff like that? Why am I saying that? Because the old-fashioned way of Pentecost used to not do that. The real Bible way is not to do that. You're wearing these shorts and clothes that pertains to man. Do you know the Bible says that that's an abomination to God? But we permit it. Why does the Holy Spirit keep crying out? It knows there's something like in there. We must be in the full statue of Jesus Christ. We must be sons and daughters of God. We must act like God's children. Long ago, a little story was told. Uh, I noticed uh, one colored brother sitting in the back. In the South, he used to sell slaves. And this, when they had slaves down there, when slavery was before the emancipation of the proclamation, and they would go by and buy them, them people just like they would a, a used car dealer. They had a bill of sales and sold them human beings just like they were, they were used cars. You got a bill of sales with them. One time a buyer come by, uh, a broker, and he's go to, he'd go around these big plantations and buy slaves. And he'd come to a certain big plantation where they had many slaves, and he, uh, wanted to see how many they had, and there's all of them out there working. And they, they were sad. They were away from home. They was from Africa. They brought them over here, the Boers. They brought them over and sold them for slaves. And, uh, so, uh, they were sad. They know they'd never go back home again. They'd live and die in the land. And they had, many times they care whips and whip them. They were property of the owner. And he did with it what he wanted to. And he just, if he killed it, he killed it. And if he, whatever it was, he just did it. That's slavery, like Israel was. And many of the nations have been brought into slavery. And, um, they'd have to take that poor slaves that just slurred. They were crying and all time and sad. But they noticed one of them slaves, young fella, he had his chest stuck out, his head up like that. They never had to whip him. Never had to tell him what to do. So that broker said, I want to buy that slave. He said, he's not for sale. He said, uh, I would like to buy him. He said, no, he's not for sale. He said, is he the boss of the rest of them? He said, no. He said, he's not the boss, he's a slave. He said, well, maybe you feed him different than you feed the rest of them. He said, no, they all eat out in a galley together. He said, what makes that boy so much different than the rest of them? He said, here's one thing. I wanted for a while too. But that boy, an alien from Africa, but in Africa, his father is a king of the tribe. And yet he's an alien away from home. He conducts himself as a king's son. He knows that across the land that his father is the king of the tribe. And now he conducts himself because he knows he's a son of a king. Oh, brother, sister. You and I in this world that we live. Let's conduct ourselves as sons and daughters of God. We're aliens here, but our behavior ought to be according to the commandments of God. That we are sons and daughters of God. Our behavior, we should act and do and everything according to what the laws that God laid down. And it's an abomination for a woman to wear a garment that pertains to a man. It's wrong and sinful for her to cut her hair. The Bible said so. Uncommon thing for her to even pray. You say, what about this? Someone got asked me, a great noted minister not long ago. Said, Brother Bram, come on and lay hands on you. Said, you're going to ruin your ministry. I said, what? Said, bawling them people out like that. 
I said, I'm telling the I said, I believe that's it. I'm a Pentecostal too. I believe that women shouldn't wear short hair, shouldn't wear pants and these things like that, the way they do it, paint their faces up. Said they shouldn't do that. But said God called you to pray for the sick. I said, He called me to preach the gospel. Amen. And he said, I believe in that, but said, You think I I said, Yes, look what you got, all these big programs, televisions, and everything else. I ain't got nothing but God to answer to. Amen. That's right. I said, I don't have nothing but God to answer to. He said, you're going to ruin your ministry. I said, any ministry that the word of God will ruin ought to be ruined. That's right. Certainly. Exactly. He said, well, you're going to ruin it. I said, who's going to tell it then? Somebody's got to say it. Somebody's got to stand for that what's truth, no matter what it hurts. And friends, as Christians, as people that believe we're going to heaven, the Holy Spirit itself will type us in the word of God. He said, you know what you ought to do? Said people believe you to be a prophet. Said you ought to be teaching these women how to get gifts of prophecy and things like that. And great higher things instead of little things. I said, how am I going to teach them algebra when they won't even learn their ABCs? <laughs> when they won't even do the common thing. The natural thing. How are you going to tell them high things when you won't even start from the, you want to get on top of the ladder before you hit the first, that's the reason you fall. See? Begin at the bottom and climb right on up as God leads you up. See? Hope your life with every bit of every bit of the word that God has ordained for you to to do. Now think how that God we should behave ourselves and act like Christians. Our conduct should be like Christians because we are aliens here. This is not our home. No, we were just put here temporarily. We've got to go. Every one of us not. Now think if God, in His mercy, has the mother. Before the little baby's born, it's a craving for some vitamin, and the mother's word speaks forth, uh, Dad, I, I, I want cantaloupe or watermelon. I want something another. It's out of, well, he'll do everything he can to get that because he knows that he wants his child born as perfect as it can be. And he'll do everything that he's able to do to get it. How much more able is he to get it? He's a creator. Now think how able he is to prepare us a body to live like his own glorious body. If we want to live, there's something in us cause to live. And there's something in us a cause to do right. Then God will call somebody on the platform or the pulpit that will preach the absolute truth. Why? See, it shows you that if you're a real child of God, you will be in a crowd. God, take it away from me. Circumcise me from this. Take these things away from me. Why? It's needed for your heavenly home that you're going to where he's gone to prepare. You've got to be a real word bride of Christ. I was preaching a few nights ago on the sacrifice. In the days of the atonement, I was preaching on the only place that God, the only church that God will meet a man in. And that's in, he said, the place that he put his name. He said, I won't meet them in any other place but the place, the gate that I put my name in. Now, he won't meet you in a Methodist gate, Baptist gate, or Pentecostal gate, or any of them, but he put his name in his son. Amen. He said, I came in my father's name. Any man comes, in, any child comes in his father's name. He, I come in the name of a Branham because my father was a Branham. And you come in your name because that was your father's name. And Jesus, the son, came in the father's name. And he said he put his name in this gate that I put my name in. That was a sacrifice. And in Jesus Christ is the only place that you'll ever find fellowship and worship to God. Amen. You say, well, I belong to the church. I don't make one thing different. Right. You've got to be in Christ. Amen. 
a certain denominational minister of the night said to me, he said, Mr. Branham, look here. Jesus said, whosoever believeth. The Bible said, whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is born of the Spirit of God. And I said, don't the Bible also say that no man can call Jesus the Christ only by the Holy Ghost? Amen. See? You can't make the Bible lie. It's got to hook right in. So you have to become absolutely born again of the Holy Spirit in you that witness out yourself you know that He is the Son of God. And then if you are in a part, if you are a child of God in the Word of God, how can you deny the Word? How can the Holy Spirit make you believe a creed that you have to do something like this when the Bible said something else? When you have to join a church and do this or do that when the Bible plainly tells you what to do. See? And then when you see that, then you jump right into it and you're right with it. Then you just keep moving right on up and it just grows like a, a, a germ coming into the womb of a woman with the egg. And then when that little egg begins to develop and begins to spread forth germs, they don't put one human germ, the dog germ, the cow germ. It puts all human germs. And when a child of God, when that predestinated, that's a bad word to use, but it's God, it's God's Bible. The foreknowledge of God can predestinate, make everything work to His honor. When that predestinated seed that you was to be, and God calls you, and that little eagle of a seed in there heard the Word of God, it will build on top one word, on top the other, and on top the other, and on top the other, and it will not mix with any creed. Notice, in these gates, every day they should eat new kosher, and there would be no leaven found among them through the seven days. Is that right? The seven church ages in. No unleavened, no creed, no nothing added. It has to be absolutely uh, unleavened bread. No leaven shall be found among you at all. Just a leaven, the word itself. That's the only, that word is God and God was made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, which that is the gate. There's a gate I meet you into worship when you follow the commandments of God. Therefore, if you've denied, just come and say, I offer Jesus Christ my life. And you've never received the Holy Ghost, come into it. You must do it. You must grow into it. Ask God to pile a word on top of a word like that until you become the full statue of a son of God or a daughter of God. Taking the things of the world. First John says, if you love the world or the things of the world, it's because the love of God's not even in you. Amen. You've been deceived. You've got the love of the world there, and it's deceived you. The devil has by piling things onto there and showing, see, you can't, well, you cannot take one word of God out of the Bible. Amen. What caused the first sin? Not by just a big pine blank line, but because Eve misconstrued, the devil did to her, one word. Amen. One word broke the chain. And we refused to take one word. That was the beginning of the Bible. Jesus came in the center of the Bible. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's the entire word of God. you believe that's a revelation of him? The entire word of God. Then in Revelations 22, Jesus came to John on the Isle of Patmos. And Jesus, I, Jesus, has sent my angel to testify of these things. See? Whosoever shall take one word out of this, or add one word to it, I'll take his part from the book of life. Not to say, well, I, I believe Jesus Christ, Son of God. That's all right. Then add the rest of it to it. You say, I've been justified. I give my hand to the minister. I believe in Jesus Christ. Then you've got to be born again. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. Just keep adding on as you keep on going. You're growing into the statue of a son and daughter of God. My God able to prepare us and to give the, to us that crave in our life that we want to see something. 
How many in here wants more of God? Yes. Why, it goes to show there's more for you. Right. See, you're craving it. Your little birth pains are coming on. See, you need more. So that we can be happy and free and perfect. We got to be. Like the, the, the little germ of life being the, in the bosom of God, just like the germ of life is in the, bo- in the bosom of the mother. God's growing and going gone to prepare the place for us. The eternal place with himself, not a place where there's a pest house, a dying, sin, adultery, and filth of the world here. If your mind's on that, it shows it never has come in contact with God. Okay? You're worked up. you got a mental illusion. You're just joined church and say, well, I belong to this. My mother belonged to that. That might have been all right in your mother's day, but we're living in another day. Wesley's message would have never, he just couldn't take Luther. Luther believed in justification, but Wesley had sanctification. The Pentecostals come along, they couldn't take just justification, sanctification. They, it was time for the restoration of the gifts. Amen. Now we're going from that. Amen. See, the three stages of the, the vine coming up. The first, it's a little blade, Luther, come up from the Reformation. All right, that was the stall. Watch nature. God and nature works in continuity because God is in nature. The next come the tassel, the pollen, the Methodist age. Then come the Pentecostal. Oh my, just so perfect. See, just like that grain of wheat looks like it's perfect wheat, grain of wheat. Open it up, there's no wheat there at all. It's a ship, a carrier of it. But that life is working on through. See? Then back there in the Luther age, except Luther, that life come through, but it went and denominated out. And the first thing you know, it just becomes denomination. Whose end is to be burned. See? The stalk dries up. It's just a carrier. Some of them still try to stay in the old carrier stalk. Know nothing about God. They, they say, well, look, we're a leaf. We was a Luther. That's right. But look where it's at now. We were a Methodist. And even we were a Pentecostal. But look at Pentecostal, how cold and farm it's getting. How everybody walking away. See, what is it? It was a carrier of the real seed. See, all these others are carried, but went denomination. If you say, I'm Pentecostal, that don't mean no more to God than if you said you was a Roman Catholic or a Jew or whatever you might be. You've got to be born. That life that comes through that carrier there. Don't stay in the stalk. Don't stay in the seed. Go right on out to the perfect part. Now, remember, and every reformation we've had on all those Lutherans and so forth, in three years, they organized. That's right. Every revival brought an organization in three years. Think how long it's been going on. Twenty-something years and no organization. Why? It's the seed coming forming under the husk like this. Laying out now, it's got to lay in the presence of the sun to ripen into the glorious grain, like the one that went into the first. The real church that went down first is coming right back up through the stalk to come out another church. When the combine comes to pick it up, the life that went down in Luther, the life that went out in the Methodist, the life that went out in the Pentecostal will come into the grain. It'll all go right into the grain and go out, forming the perfect body of Jesus Christ. Just like the sun comes up a morning, you can't look at no nature unless it testifies of God. You don't need even the Bible to know there's a God. The little son born, a little weak baby. About 7 o'clock, goes, starts off to school. 10 or 11 o'clock, it's out. 12 o'clock, it's in his strength. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's getting old. Seven or eight, six, 5 or 6 o'clock in the afternoon, she's getting stooped shoulder. It dies. Is that the end of it? No. It resurrects again the next morning. Life, death, burial, resurrection. Look at the leaves come on the trees. It comes up a good finely, plays out shade, puts out its fruit. The next, first thing you know, autumn comes, strikes at death. Runs right down into the root, into the ground again. Is that the end of it? Next spring, she comes right back again to testify. Oh, that's perpetual life. But, brother, sister, we got eternal life. Amen. 
we've got eternal life through this great one who came. And it's gone is able to prepare us a body. And these growing pains we feel, like you women feel condemned for what you do, you man, it hangs on to seminary doctrines and so forth. And you all want to say, I, I recite this creed, I do this. But there's something right down here when you see the eyes of the blind open, the deaf understand. Blind, all these things is promised. See the word preached in its power. See a prostitute off the street made a lady. See a see a drunkard come out of there and be a real saint of God. Ah, see, there's something life in there. And you begin to feel, well, maybe I oughtn't to do that. See what it is? It's something your body honors a need. Come on. But God's got the body which I didn't care for every bit of that body. Jesus is going to prepare the place in the bosom of God. Yes, sir. A little germ. Son of God, little son or daughter of God. Jesus only asked for one thing in his prayer to the Father. You know what that was? One thing after all of his sacrifice that he did here on earth, the life that he lived, the path that he walked, he asked for one thing. That where I am, they may be also. He asked for our fellowship. That's the only thing he asked the Father in the prayer. Your companionship forever. If you want to read this in St. John 17 and 24th verse. Then how much should we desire him? If he desire, now listen, if you really are born of the spirit of God, that means everything to you. See, it ain't some book of rules. You don't live any laws and so forth. You live by the grace of God, the spirit of God. I've often said this as a missionary, I'd be going overseas. What if I brought my wife and my children? Now, look here, children. Listen here, Miss Branham. I am your husband. <laughs> I shall not have any other husbands while I'm gone. If you do, I'll skin you when I get back home. <laughs> Stomp my foot. Children, you hear what I say? Yeah, yes, Papa. Yes, Papa. You let me hear of one transgression, see? <laughs> Wouldn't that be at home now? What she say? Now, are you through, sir? Now, I want to tell you something. Mr. Branham, <laughs> I am your lawful wedded wife. Thou shalt not have any other girlfriends while you're gone either. Now, wouldn't that be a home? Oh, that would be something. We don't do that. I love her. She loves me. When she knows I'm going, she knows I don't go unless the Lord calls me to go. We get down on the floor and get the children around and we pray. I said, dear God, take care of my little companion, my children. They say, God, take care of daddy while we're gone, while he's gone. And then when we go over, now what if I did do something wrong over there? What if I did transgress, do something wrong? And I come back and went to that poor little wife of mine, stood there and looked at her face wrinkling and her hair turning gray. I walked up and said, honey, I want to tell you something. You know I love you. Sure, Bill, I know you love me. I'll tell you what I did. I took some girl home. I, I said, will you forgive me for it? I believe she would. I really do. But would I do that? When I look, stand there and see them hair turning gray, and know she stood between me and the public. And I know what a real wife she's been. Could I do that? I, I'd rather die than hurt her. I would. And if that in filial love to my wife, how much greater is my agapo love to God? Amen. Oh, I wouldn't do nothing to hurt him. Certainly not. I, I love him. I want to do everything that he, he wants me to do. I want to cope with every word that he said. No matter what the world says, they, they ain't going to believe it anyhow. I want to know what he said for me to do. And if I like something, I want him to give it to me and live for him, keeping ourselves from the world. This old earthly body here has got to, it's a, let me tell you, this earthly body that you think so much of, that you pattern after Hollywood, you're so close to it, it won't be there much longer. You remember, you've heard the prophecy, see, the Lord gave me, it's going under. Yes, sir. Notice it will. You just watch. Now. 
never told me nothing wrong yet. I'll take that to anybody who wants to say, I don't know when or where, but she's done. Judgment hangs over it. There's no redemption for it. It's past. Now, notice this. Live for him, keeping ourselves from the world. Now, look, you look on television, some of you sisters, and you go down here, and you want you young women. You're young, I know that. But you're Christians. See? You're different. You don't want to be like the world. You love the world. Not only you young ones, some of you older ones. See? Well, what does that? See, you watch television, you go down to the store, you see these little old clothes that women wear that's ungodly. Do you know what's going to happen at the Day of Judgment? You might be just as virtuous to your husband as you can be, but in the Day of Judgment, you're going to have to answer for committing adultery. Jesus said, Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Who's to blame? You. You presented yourself. I'm shorts and slacks. Some woman said to me not long ago, said, I don't wear shorts, Brother Bram. I thank the Lord for that. I wear slacks. I said, that's worse. That's worse. That's right. You can't even buy a dress hardly for a woman. She said, one woman said, well, you said the truth. You can't, you can't buy it. But they still sell goods and have sewing machines. So there's no excuse at all. See, it goes to show, sister, I'm your brother. And I'm a servant to Christ that's got to answer at the judgment bar for what I say here tonight. See, you're going to stand guilty of adultery. Because if the love of God has leaked out of your heart, you still go to church. You might still dance in the spirit. You might still speak with tongues. And them things are fine. But that's not it yet. Sir, remember the Bible said in the last days there shall come false Christ. Not false Jesuses. They wouldn't stand still for that. But false Christ, false anointed ones. They were absolutely anointed with the Spirit. With the Holy Spirit and still false. See, there's two, there's three people of you. The outside is the body. You got five senses that you contact your earthly home with that. The inside is the Spirit. These five senses there. Love and conscience and so forth. You contact. But the inside of that is the soul. Remember, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The same rain that'll make a grain of wheat grow makes a cockleburr grow too. What is it? At the inside of that seed is a nature, and that nature displays itself. It can stand in the same field right there with the weed. The weed and the wheat stand together. Rejoice just as much. It's heads down. It's starving for a drink. When the rain comes, the cockleburr can shout this as loud as the wheat can. But by their fruits, you shall know them. Christians. I may never see you again. See, it's been years since I've been here. I may never see you again. Line up with God's word. Look in the mirror. Like a little boy one time. He'd been out in the country. He'd never seen a mirror. He'd come to his, his uh, uh, auntie's house. He started walking up steps. He'd seen a mirror. And he'd seen a little boy in the mirror. He kept walking up, looking. And he'd wave. And a little boy would wave. And he kept looking. He'd never seen himself in a mirror. So when he got close enough to he turned around and said, Why, Mama, that's me. How do you look in God's mirror? Does it reflect a daughter or son of God? Is there something that you hear that? Does it make you hate the man that's saying it? Or is there something cool to say, I know that man's right because that's in the scripture. Then that's a vitamin that's needed for this body that's ordained to be there. A house that that other one's going to need when you get there. This house, if we are born earthly. Now remember, we think so much of this body. We put so many clothes on. We do so many things that unnecessary. Change after change after change and all these things. And, and it's just, everybody just let somebody start something. You paint your steps red and watch the Joneses paint theirs red. You change from a Chevrolet to a Ford and they just can't stand it. It's matching time. 
You let the you let woman come to church, certain kind of hat on, watch all the women get that. Especially the pastor's wife, see. And just watch what happens. Now that is true. That is uh, absolutely true. It's matching time, brother. It ought to be matching time. All them all them things is is for a purpose. I don't care whether my coat matches my trousers. And I have a hard time, my wife or my daughter-in-law or somebody to tell me what kind of attire to wear with it. I, I don't care whether it match or I want my experience to match God's Word. That's the thing, because that's where I aim to live, not down on the corner of the Joneses, but yonder in glory where Jesus has gone to prepare us a place. Yes, we want that. Yes, sir. Keep from all this, this old earthly tabernacle here. You know what it is? This body is like an old coat that you wear. A coat that you once wear. But now... You have one so much better, you don't use it anymore. What do you do? You hang it in a closet. For you've got one better. You've got a better coat. It's more up to date than the one you used to wear that's worn out. What? It is that garment. You are the inside of that. That garment only done what? It bore your image. See? But you don't need it anymore now. You've hung it up. It's a rag. And that's the way this old body is. It's bore the image of the heavenly, yet it is not you. You are on the inside of that body. You, the Spirit of God, is on the inside of that body. That's what makes the outside come into subjections because the inside is pulling it. See? Bring it in line with the Word of God. Your Inside, you yourself, your being, this body's just an old coat. And someday, what will you do with it? For you was, it was only in the garment for a while. That is like the earthly garment, this body. Your, your real body, your real self is on the inside of this old coat that you call William Branham or Susie Jones or whoever it is. See, someday it will hang in the earth's hall of memory of you. You'll put it out there in a grave and somebody will put a tombstone up here lies Reverend so-and-so or John so-and-so or so-and-so. It'll lie there as a memorial of you. The people just seeing you in this and what you was, your real you, was on the inside of that. But the old coat itself just bore in the image of the heavenly. Old people, have you made reservations to change coats? Have you made reservations for heaven? Remember, you must have reservations. You can't get in without them. I'm talking to you in modern language now. That you know, if you go to the hotel and say, well, I had, uh, did you have reservations? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Everything is filled up. You're out in the cold because you fail to make reservations. And if you come to the end of your life's journey without reservations, there'll be no one there to meet you. You'll have to step off into a dark eternity where there will be screaming and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You must. You can't get into the city because you haven't got reservation. You must have them to enter this city where Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. Remember, you must have the reservations and the garment of salvation on. You cannot, in Matthew, I've got a scripture, I'm watching scripture, Matthew 20, 22, 1 to 14. I haven't time to read it because it's getting too late, I've spoke too long to you. But remember, the king sent forth and made a supper, he killed all these oxes and, and fixed the fatlings and everything, and had a great supper prepared. And he sent out and he bid many to come. 
One said, well, you know, after all, I belong to this, and I got this, and I got to go to my farm, and one did many things. And he sent again, and they evilly mistreated them. And finally, that was the Jewish generation Jesus was talking to. They had something else to do. Then finally, he sent in and said, go, just don't, just compel them. Go into the streets and highways and everywhere and compel them to come in. And after that, determined that his house was, his wedding supper was going to be set. There's going to be guests there. And then he found a man in there without the wedding garment on. He wanted to hold to the old coat. And look what he said. Friend, after I have invited you to my wedding supper, and I invited you and gave you an invitation to come, and if you ever was in the Orient, which I preached in there many times, that wedding supper still carried on just the way it was. The bridegroom, that all, he has so many guests that he's going to have. Probably, brother, probably you've watched it there in India. See, they have so many guests that he's going to ask. Say he's going to ask uh, 30 guests. Now, the bridegroom has to furnish the robes. He has to furnish them. Therefore, there's a man stands at the door. And you come up with your invitation. He examines your invitation and puts you on a garment, a robe. That some of them are rich and some of them are poor and some of them are different. But they all look alike when they get these robes on. They all look alike. And you have to all be alike. You ain't going to be saying, I'm the Methodist over here. I'm the Presbyterian over here. Oh, no. You ain't going in the first place, see. You've got to come by the door. Jesus said, I am the door to the sheepfold. I'm Pentecostal. I'm this, I'm that. That don't mean one thing. You come by that door. And if you come by that door, you get the robe. And this man, when he said, how did you get in here, friend? See, it showed he come up some other way and come in a window. Come in the back way, but not through the door. Not through the door. The way that Jesus came, through self-sacrifice, giving your all to God and walking to Calvary and be crucified with him and rise again to wear his garment of sacrifice and death to the things of the world. If you love the world and the things of the world, the love of God not even in you. If you still have the love of the world, want to act like the world and do like the world, you're trying, you're, yet you're in the church, but a cucklebur in the patch with the wheat. Shout with the rest of them. Rejoice with the rest of them. All the spiritual blessings is right up on you. You say, well, I prophesy. So did Caiaphasus. So did Balaam. That has nothing. I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That still has nothing to do with it. That's just only a temporal gift for you. The real gift is your soul down in there. See? That was... Born of God. And that controls the whole thing to the Word of God and the will of God. And there you grow up, see. Then you are son and daughter of God. You are a child of God. And these things, as you come up like the mother now, you're in the bowels of the earth trying to come forth. You're son of God coming forth. And you see the Word says, I should do this. I should be born again. Well, I've wronged a church. That don't mean one thing, see. I'm Methodist. My mother, that's good for your mother. Well, my, I'm Pentecostal. I've wronged, if you don't line with that Word, there's something wrong. Amen. Then you see your real father ain't God. See? Because that real starting your soul, before there even was a spirit, it was your soul. That soul didn't come from God, that it wasn't a germ of God to begin. You're deceived. You're in a patch of weeds and bearing the world's record of the weeds coming forth, acting like the world, loving the world is because the love of God's not in you. 
And uh, there'll be false anointed ones in the last days. Not false Jesus. They wouldn't stand for that. But false anointed. They are anointed. Yes, sir. But they're antichrist. They're anointed with the Spirit to do the signs and wonders that Christ did, but won't line up with his word. See? Many will come to me that day and say, Lord, have not I prophesied and cast out devils in your name? You say, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never even knew you. I was Pentecostal, Lord. Glory to God, I shouted, I spoke with tongues, and I laid hands on the sick and healed them, cast out devils. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. See what I mean? Oh, little children, do you feel the need of that vitamin tonight? That's something. There's a body waiting under. There's a body waiting to be received. People, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. The devil is a deceiver. Even uh, the, the wedding garments, you must wear it. It must be. Now we're at the evening time. The earthly body is now ready to be dissolved and we're preparing to enter into the heavenly. And we now feel the strange call of God to go to this great Eden. And before we can be born here, our little bodies cried for something that it had to be provided or we'd be an afflicted child here if we wasn't. God has no afflictions up there. There are everyone perfectly lined up the bride just exactly like the groom was. The word manifested in its season. God grant tonight, children, each and every one of you, there is a heaven to go to. There is a hell to stay away from. Now many of you know that the Lord has given me visions, thousands of those. The greatest thing, I used to fear death. About three years ago, you see the Christian businessman uh, pass the curtain of time. I realized I might not live through this night. I may never see you again in my life. Here, But this is true. I, I don't know why I call this a vision or what it was. One morning, recently, I was I just woke up. I come in from meetings, and uh, my wife was laying there asleep. I said, honey, are you awake? She was still sleeping. I know we had to get up to get the children off to school. And I put my hands back up like this, and I said, well... Say, Bill Branham, do you know you're past 50? If you go do something for the Lord, you better hurry up because you ain't got too much more time. And I thought, my, I hope that I can live to see the coming of the Lord Jesus. I always had it in my mind that, that when we died, I'd see like brother here, I'd say, oh, yeah, you preached in my church one night down on earth, brother Branham. But he's, he's a spirit that couldn't shake his hand because his hands out there in the grave rotted away. Mine too. I used to kind of think that. But that morning, when I felt something come over me, and I thought, usually like a vision comes, and I looked, and I, I looked, and I thought, my, what is this? And I looked at great green hills, and young women was coming from everywhere by the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands. And they were all coming, long hair hanging down their back, white robes on, barefooted, screaming, hollering, our brother. I, I thought, now this is strange. I turned back around and looked, and there I laid right there, and there was my wife laying there on the bed. And I said, now, I, I, you know what? I died. I said, that, that's what's happened. I, I've died. And I said, I might have had a heart attack or something. I, I've died. There I lays my body. I was just laying there with my hands back like that. This is stiff. I thought, oh, that's not 20 feet from me. And there I was looking. I thought, that's, there's my wife there. there. There's everything. There's my shirt hanging there on the, that bed post there. I saw, here I am. I looked around again, and these women were all coming. And they were, and I looked coming this way, and there come my brothers. All genuine, all of them looked to be young men. They were screaming, our precious brother. Well, I didn't know what to think. I thought, 
This is strange. I looked back, and I wasn't an old man. I was young. I thought, this is a strange thing. I thought, is this a vision? I'd bite my finger, and I thought, no. It ain't the kind of vision I've had. And then there's something beginning to talk to me up here. And so, so you've entered in with your people. And I thought, with my people, are all these Branhams? He said, they're your converts to Christ. And these women, you know, I've always been considered, <laughs> they call me a woman hater, but I'm not, see. Because I, be, I, I, I don't like immoral, indecent. I like real genuine sisters. Right. It's that way, all right. I had some scars when I was a kid. I know things that happened that kind of turned me that way. But it was all God making, molding me for this hour. And I think a real genuine sister, there's nothing any nicer. If God could give a man anything better to salvation, he'd give him a wife. See? And so then, if he could give him things better, he would have done it. And then to see some of them turn and don't even act like a wife. Unloyal to their marriage vows. And their husband's the same. You remember, you're bound as long as you live to one another. What God joins on earth, join heaven also, see. And so then I, I seen that. And these women run up and are throwing their arms around me and hugging me and call me brother. Now, they were women. But there can never be sin in that place. They were women. But see, what made us now a woman with a, a gland, a female gland, and a man with a male gland is for raising children. There it won't be. There will all be one gland. But they'll still be in the form of the earthly image that they bore here will be there. But there never can be sin. You're all the same. There'll be no more children raised there. That's right. It'll all be that way. And uh, so I looked in these women and uh, they picked me up. These brothers set me up for a place. I said, why'd you do this? He said, in earth, you was a leader. And said, and said, you, uh, these are the people. And there's some woman come up. And she said, um, our precious brother, most beautiful woman. When she passed by, this boy stopped and said, don't you remember her? I said, no. Said, you led her to Christ when she's past 90. Can't you see why she says precious brother? Now I said, well, do you go? I said, no, we're waiting here. I said, well, if I passed over, I want to see Jesus. Said, you can't see him now. This is the scripture said souls under the altar. He's just a little higher. Someday he will return. We'll go back to earth. We don't eat or drink here. And I said, you mean I was afraid of this? Well, this, there's no word to speak it, friends. It's a perfect, wouldn't, wouldn't touch it. Sublime. There's no English vocabulary that I know. No word at all that could ever express what it is. It's beyond anything that I know. There he was. There was no sickness, no sorrow. You couldn't die. You couldn't sin. It was just perfect. Just perfect, friends. You mustn't, you mustn't miss it. Remember, and when I was a little boy, I saw a vision of hell as a little boy. And you know how the ladies today, or the women, lady wouldn't do a thing like that. Paint their eyes like a wolf or something like that, that blue stuff there in their eyes. I seen that. I was sinking as a little boy. I'd been shocked. And I was laying dying in a hospital. And I'd always know there was God. And I remember the first prayer I ever tried to pray. The only thing I can say, I, I've never told this before. I feel I tell it right now. I was shot laying there dying in the field. And the only plea that I could have to God, I said, you know, Lord, I never did commit adultery. See, as a little young boy, about 15 years old, I tried to live right. And I said, I've lived clean. And that's all I could say. That's all the merit that I could offer him. And that laying there, then when I was, Dr. Dunn walked away from me. And I felt myself sinking into a dark eternity. And looked like, I hollered for Papa. Oh, Papa, help me. There was no Papa there. Mama helped me. There was no mama there. God helped me. There was no God there. It was just an endless 
horrible, oh, nightmares, burning, blazing hell would be a pleasure to be in the upside of that. And falling through there, and I thought, oh, my, over and over like this. And I got into a place, smoke and dark and sick and, oh, such a feeling. And there was death on me. And I could see those women coming up to me with them kind of painted eyes like that. And I remember, that's been 45 years ago, about 40 years ago, anyhow. Going, just going, oh, oh, oh. I said, I might be there forever. Forever. I said, oh, God, if you'll let me out of here, I, I, I'll never be ashamed of you again. I'll never be ashamed. God, please give me a chance. And the first thing you know, I felt myself coming back up. And the doctor was alarmed because my heart was only beating 17 times to the minute. I'd done bled all my blood out and, and everything. is laying in my own blood. And I wondered someday that would happen. About two years ago when I moved to Tucson, I was with my wife down at J.C. Penney's. And I was sitting there like that. And with my head down waiting because, you know, how ladies, they shop a long time. And I was, I was sitting there with my head down like this. And an escalator was coming up. And here comes some of them women up with them waterhead haircuts, you know, like that. Like that. Come up with them painted looking eyes like that. And they were speaking Spanish. And that's, that, it all, the vision reoccurred again. There it was. Ooh, ooh. Brother, sister, let me tell you something. It may seem funny now, but you want to get there. It's a serious thing. Don't you never go that way. Me as an old man, a minister, I preached around the world, got millions of friends. But I know I've got to stand with you. Get away from the things of the world. And if there's something in you that you still want to act the way you act, if you do have the things of the world, remember, you're none of God's. You're just a church member. Until that call, that deep call into the deep. See, like before there was a fin on a fish's back, there had to be a water for him to swim in first. Or he had never had a fin. Before there was a, a tree to grow in the earth, there had to be an earth or there would have been no tree to grow in it. There would be no reason for the tree. And it, to make it, suppose this, before there is a creation, there has to be a creator. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's something in us. You raise your hand a while ago. I want more of God. There's something needing. And if you love the world, going that way, the things of the world, the world's travel you'll go, and in the fall you'll be. See? Come out. You're sons and daughters of a king. The king. Be lady and gentlemen. Walk like Christians. Live like Christians. Act like Christians. Remember, I'll meet you at the judgment bar with these remarks. Look in your looking glass tonight and see which way am I headed. Is Jesus preparing a place for me, a body? That body's perfect. That body walks orally. It's a son or a daughter before God. And I birth pains in here to be born into that body there. If I still love the world, it shows me that I'm not, I have no body there. I'm just a church member. I wasn't a germ of God. I, I am not, he is not my father. He said, if you cannot stand chastisement, that's what you're getting now. Then you're a bastard children and not the children of God. Isn't that right? Does the Bible say that? If you cannot stand the chastisement of God, when you see the scripture lining you up and you say, oh, I don't want to hear that stuff. I'm, I'm a Christian. I do. A... All right. Go ahead. It's one sure evidence that you're not a child of God. But a real child of God is hungering and thirsting. Why? 
if there's something in your heart telling you you want it and it needs there, it shows there's something pulsating trying to pull you there. There's a body there that this one is a type of here. What are you using this one for? To glorify the devil and the world and fashions and things? Or are you looking towards heaven? And there's something up there. You're glorifying God with your life. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. And I'll go and prepare a place for you and come again to receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Things that are to be, these things that are now, are only potential. Calling for the things that is to be. Let us pray. Think seriously, would you, dear Christian friends? Think real seriously just a moment. Let's just be real quiet just for a moment. Let the Holy Spirit speak. Now, the Lord Jesus sent me to you Pentecostal people long ago. Here's one of your boys that's come up to be your pastor. Said resulted from the ministry. He's seen the Lord Jesus open the blinded eyes. Make, he said, the waterheads shrink right up. I still have healing services. But I realize that I have prayed for many people that were very sick. They were healed. The Lord answered prayer and healed the sick. But you know, some of those people who are healed has already died. And no matter how sick you are, if you're healed, you're going to die anyhow. But that soul, my precious brother, that soul, my precious sister, won't you think about it now? That's eternal. If that love of God's not in there, there's nothing pulling. Won't you ask God, oh God, start me over new tonight. I love you, Lord. I want to love you. And something in my heart tells me that I must live closer to you. I want to come right now, Lord, and do that. If that person or persons are in this building or out of this building, I ask you as a servant of Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, will you just, with your head bowed, raise up your hand to God and say this much, God, draw me nearer and nearer, dear God. I want to align with everything that you have in your word. Raise your hands. Now, just be real honest. Just think. Uh, you say, well, I've done this. I've, I've shouted the Spirit. I've spoken tongues. But look, there's something lacking in my life. I look in the mirror of God's word. I know there's something. I go to church, but I'm not what I should be. See, that shows that something. Now, if you can look at yourself and see that you're not lined up with God's word and there's nothing in there that will cause you to raise your hand, then you know there's something wrong. You have, there's, mother, you say you can't get blood from a turnip because there's no blood in it. Think of it real seriously. This might be your last opportunity. 30, 40 hands has been up in this little group here. Even to clergymen. Just be real reverent. Just a moment. Now think real straight. Dear God, I may be killed tonight in an accident. I may die in a heart attack. One of these mornings, I may call the doctor and he come and my pulse is beating up my sleeve. I'm gone. I'm pressing my cheek against the pillar. Go, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Hey, that heart's making its last beat. You're coming to that great door. You'll never come out unless you're born again of the Spirit of God. You'll never come out unless there's something in you after you're born of the Spirit of God, hungering and thirsting to go on with God. It must be. See, you're a child in the earth, in the bowels of the earth still waiting to be born into the kingdom of God. 
or he's gone to prepare another body for you that's a perfect body. Now, think real deep and let's pray together. Dear God, as I know that this is paged on the book, the great record, we have blundered into science, Lord, enough to wake us up for realities to know that every move that we make goes around and around the world at the same time we make it. We've got that through television. We do realize, Father, that that television doesn't manufacture a picture. It only channels the, the vibrations into a tube that makes the picture. Even the color of clothes that we've got on shows through the ether waves of the air that vibration around the world. Then how is our sisters with them clothes on, acting like that and not even hungered, painted faces, cut hair, ministers that would go to theology, some seminary, and take the things of man's word, which makes, by their traditions, makes the commandments of God of no effect upon the people. By their traditions, saying they should belong to church. And that's all. Oh, God, do they realize that every word we say, scientifically proven, it's on a record. And it starts when we start living in this earth. It ends when we die and it's put in God's album to be played back again at the judgment. How are we going to escape it? The damnation of God, if the thing has been made so clear before us and yet we turn it down. Oh, dear God, these words never die. They go on and on. The record will be played at the day of the judgment. You've seen those hands that went up, Father. It'll be right there at the day of judgment. Also, what their heart was thinking will be there at the day of judgment. Now, Father God, I ask you as your servant, I pray that you'll take all the iniquity away from your people. Iniquity, something that we know we should do and don't do it. David said, if I conceive iniquity in my heart, God will not answer my prayer. I pray, God, that you'll take our iniquity because the word is your looking glass that shows us up how sharp we are of being sons and daughters of the king. Father, I pray that you'll do it tonight and make that an altar because the altar setting full of people and make that altar there in the chair where they're sitting. Make that heart of theirs the altar. May the world move off from every brother or sister in here. And may that little germ of life, that Jane of God that we just talked of, that attribute that came down from God and has been manifested here to honor and glorify God, God move the world from that. The others, I cannot pray, Lord, because the sickness is unto death and there's nothing there that causes them to move. But those who can move and know that it's wrong, clean their hearts and their souls tonight, Father, and may they be Fill with your spirit. Walk in your light. Bless this dear, young, uh, healthy, strong-looking pastor here, Lord. This young man influenced, he said, by what he saw you do. This fine young man. Oh, God, set his soul afire. Grant it, Lord. May he be a true shepherd continually, all the time, to feed the flock which the Holy Spirit's made him overseer or granted, Lord. May he not turn right or left, no way for no creed, no nothing else, but the unadulterated word of God come from his mouth and that only. Bless him, God. Him and his loved ones and his little church here, be with them all, Father. 
I commit this to you, Father. The seed has been sown. May it fall upon that seed that was ordained to life and grow great, strong Christians for this assembly here and other assemblies where they come from. Grant it, Lord. I commit it to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Father, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chasm of our peace is upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. I seen moving through the door a few moments ago a poor, nervous woman. And oh God, into her own family, what great things has been done. How you have manifested yourself. I pray, God, for that woman. Take away all that back past of life, Lord, and heal her tonight. Will you, Lord? Take her to you. See it. Little children sitting here, Lord, needing healing. Others, I pray that you'll heal them, Father. Grant it. May your great healing power come and heal us both soul and body. And now, to you now who are in the church here outside that needs healing, I want you to raise up your hand and say, I need healing, Brother Branham. Looks like everybody does. All right. Would you believe me to be a servant of Christ? Say amen. Then I want you to lay your hands over on one another. Just lay your hands over on each other. You raise your hands. That's inside or out. You raise your hands that you are believers in God. Jesus Christ said his last commission to the church. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If they take up serpents or drink daily things, it won't harm them. But And if they'll lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Now, the, Jesus said that. Remember, he said that. That has to be. He wouldn't have said that. Unless there was going to be somebody could catch that word. Just like the womb of Mary could catch the germ, a virgin shall conceive. Like a palm tree could be created, an oak tree on a hill. His word did it. His word can catch into your heart right now. I am a believer, Lord. This man or woman I got my hands on, they're suffering. I'm not praying for myself because they're praying for me. Uh, I'm praying for her or for him. And, oh, God, heal him, heal her. And I am a believer. And we're a, a symbol. We've just been taught that we were with Christ when he walked on earth, for we are part of his word. We suffered with him. We bled with him. We died with him. We was buried with him. We are risen with him. And we're sitting to, together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, the great king sitting here in our midst. And I am a son or a daughter of this king. And I have my hand laid on a son or a daughter of a king that's praying for me and I'm praying for them. Now, Lord, answer my prayer and heal this son of God or this daughter of God. Together, let's pray now for one another. Lord Jesus, we humbly come confessing our wrongs. We come confessing that we are worthy of sickness and death and sorrow. But we are accepting your propitiation for our sins and our sickness. And tonight, these sons and daughters of God sitting here and hearing the correction of the word and raising their hands and wanting a closer walk. They're laying hands on one another now because they believe your word to be true. They believe that we're now risen with Christ, sitting in heavenly places with him.
They got their hands on one another, praying one for another. You said the prayer of faith shall save the sick and God shall raise him up. And if he's did any sin, it shall be forgiven him. Confessing your faults one to another, pray one for the other, that you might be healed for the affectional, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. O eternal God, hear the prayer of your servants. And now it's written again, if the people that's called by my name shall assemble themselves together and pray, then I'll hear from heaven. Oh God, hear the prayer of your children tonight from heaven. Send down the Holy Ghost upon this audience like a rushing mighty wind. And we bring these people before God. Satan, you are defeated. You are a defeated being. Jesus Christ conquered you at Calvary. You have no power. You're a bluff. We're calling your hand tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out of this people here, you sickness and diseases. And may they go free in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Hallelujah. Feel the glory of God. Feel your prayer answered. You believe God is the person sitting by you? How many believe it? Raise up your hands. There you are. Oh, wonderful. I love him. I put your hands up now. Sing it to him with all your heart. I mean it with all your heart now? How many feel that God has forgiven you your iniquities, the things that you've done, and from this night on, oh, Lamb of God, I promise to walk upright. I'll walk in honor of the name that I'm called, a Christian, Christ-like life. I'll raise my hands, God. I'll dedicate myself anew to you tonight. I'll walk in the light. Amen. We'll walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where the dewdrops of mercy are bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. We'll walk in the light. It's such a beautiful light. It comes where the dew drops, where he's gone to prepare a place for us. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. Come all ye saints of light proclaimed. Jesus, the light of the world. Truth and mercy in his name. Jesus, the light of the world. What will we do then? We'll walk in the light. Such a beautiful light comes where the two gods 
Don't you feel all scoured out? Feel good. Oh, my. Let's shake hands and we sing again. We walk in the light. Such a beautiful light. Comes where? God bless you. Soft mercy. Shine all around us by day and by night. A Jesus. Light of the world. Let's just close our eyes and hum it. Mm. We act like children. We are children. Oh, it's such a beautiful light. And it comes where the dewdrop of mercy are bright. Oh, shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. Don't you love him? My faith looks up to thee, thou lamb of Calvary. Just close your eyes and say, worship in the Spirit. Savior, now hear me while I pray. Take all my sins away. No, let me help this day be holy. dark maze I tread and grief around me spread oh be thou my guide bid darkness turn to day why sorrows fear I'm just an old-fashioned guy. I like, I think that's got all the uh, new chopped-up, fang-dangle, rock-and-roll impersonations beat a million miles. Them old poets that wrote them songs, the Holy Spirit touched that pen, began to write, oh my, I think of Eddie Pruitt, uh, and all them great uh, Fanny Crosby, pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. One time just trying to get her, she didn't. That she didn't do like the Pentecostal Elvis Presley sell her birthrights for a mess of Cadillacs. 
she come to her morning write write worldly songs. She said, "I would not do it for nothing." She said, "Well, you're blind. When you get to heaven, I know." She turned around in a spirit show. She said, "I shall know him. I shall know him, and redeemed by his side, I shall stand. I shall know him. I shall know how." By the prince of the nails. Otherwise, if I don't see him, I feel his hand. I shall know him. I shall know him. And redeem my side. I shall stand. I shall know him. I shall. Don't it make you love him? Gone to prepare a place for us. And if I go and prepare a place, I will return again to receive you unto myself. Little children, interveil now. Re- obey the commandments of God. And pastor here, if none of you has been baptized, the water will be ready. And, and membership for the church or whatever you want to do or whatever you do it. If you haven't got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, this is the night to receive it. Don't you believe that? Oh, you say, Brother Bram, it's late. You don't preach too long. Paul preached all night one night this same kind of message. And a little, a young man fell off of the wall and killed himself. And Paul, so anointed with that same kind of message, laid his body upon him and a life come back into him. He's still Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Don't you love him? Let's just once more with our hands up. I love him. I love him. Where's the pianist? I, uh, there, if you will, Sister Everhood is. Give us a little card, if you will. How many love him? Just raise your hand. Say, I really love him. I just love him with, with all my heart. I love him. Now, let's just sing it to the glory of God. Now, with our eyes closed, our hands up to heaven, I love him. I love him. We're worshiping. When you're preaching, cutting, tearing, pull like that, this is a bomb that God pours in. Yes, heals. There's a bomb in Gilead for the soul. Let's sing it now. Give us a chorus. that you are my disciples when you have love one for the other. That's right. If we can't love one another who we do see, how are we going to love God who we can't see? Ah. Now, I think the church, everyone, 